Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, February 3rd. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what you need to know today. The state of paid and unpaid leave for American workers. Plus, winter bears down across the U.S. But first, partisan rancor in the House. That's today's one big thing. Ilhan Omar is removed from her committee assignments. Congressional Black Caucus members visit the White House and House Republicans kick off their investigation. All part of this first week in February in Washington. Here for our Friday Politics State of Play conversation are Axios reporters Eugene Scott and Steph Kite. Hey, guys. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Nyla. Eugene, let's start with the president's meeting yesterday with members of the Congressional Black Caucus to talk about police reform. The day after the funeral of Tyree Nichols, we've been hearing a lot about the George Floyd Policing Act has resurfaced this week. Can we expect any new legislation out of the Capitol? So there were some conversations earlier this week about perhaps reintroducing the George Floyd Act after the president's State of the Union speech. But as of Thursday evening, Black lawmakers were still in conversations with the president about the best strategy moving forward. Senator Tim Scott, the only Black Republican in the Senate, has been very vocal this week about how the act as is is a non-starter. But he certainly believes that somehow the two sides can negotiate and figure out some bipartisan legislation that will get all sides to where they want to be. Steph, the House voted yesterday to remove Minnesota Representative Ilhan Omar from the Foreign Affairs Committee. Here she is on the floor. This debate today, it's about who gets to be an American. What opinions do we get to have, do we have to have to be counted as Americans? This is what this debate is about, Madam Speaker. Steph, is that what this debate is about? This has been a very contentious issue, and it was actually unclear whether Republicans had the votes to remove Omar initially, but they did end up having those votes to remove her from the committee. And of course, Democrats say that this is just, you know, a reaction to the fact that Democrats removed Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar from committees in the last Congress. But of course, Republicans have claimed that this isn't a tit for tat and have noted six comments that Congressman Omar made in the past that some have been angered about and, and called anti-Semitic. And Steph, all of this comes as the first wave of House Republican investigations into the Biden administration began this week. There's a lot of different investigations going on here, right? Yes, it has been a busy week where we've seen a lot of the committees really start their investigations in earnest. Of course, we've been hearing from Republicans for a while now that there are several issues that they were eager to investigate the Biden administration. Um, This week, we had the first two hearings, one on the border and another on alleged fraud and abuse of COVID assistance. We're seeing letters come out of the Judiciary Committee, as well as the Oversight Committee and hearings being scheduled over all sorts of issues, including, you know, what they call the weaponization of the federal government, the use of Twitter to silence conservatives. It really is so many different topics we're starting to see Republicans dig into. To both of you, what do you think this week says about what we can expect for the rest of the year about this Congress? 
I mean, I think we are going to continue to see the hyperpartisanship we've already seen over the past few years. We have a Republican-controlled House and a Democratic-controlled Senate, and of course, Joe Biden, a Democrat in the White House. And we're going to see Republicans continue to use their power in the House, their investigative power, their subpoena power to investigate the Biden administration. And that's going to lead to hyperpartisan debates. I think uh, this week has revealed just how different each respective party's basis are when it comes to what needs to be prioritized most. This is not something that has changed significantly with 2023, but ranging from issues as varied as police violence against Black people to concerns about Hunter Biden and his business relationships really do shed some light on just how much daylight exists between uh, the GOP and the Democratic Party right now. Eugene Scott covers Congress for Axios. Steph Kite, also part of the Axios politics team. Steph, Eugene, thank you for being with me. Thanks. Thanks for having us. In a moment, what paid and unpaid leave for workers in America looks like on the 30th anniversary of FMLA. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. 30 years ago, just outside in the Rose Garden, our nation took a long overdue step. That's Vice President Kamala Harris at the White House yesterday, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Family and Medical Leave Act, which provided workers with unpaid time off to care for themselves or family. Former President Bill Clinton, who signed the bill into law, was also there. After all these years, I still have more people mention the Family Leave Act to me than any other specific things I did. And the Biden administration marked this anniversary by announcing a new initiative to support families. Axios' Emily Peck is here with more. Hey, Emily. Hey, Nyla. So it's been 30 years since FMLA. How much have things changed? Things have changed. I mean, back before FMLA, I think only about 1% of working women had paid maternity leave. And the percentages for unpaid parental leave or family leave were similarly low. It just was kind of unheard of. If you got pregnant, for example, at work, okay, bye. Like you were fired, you were done. And now today, a lot of companies do offer workers paid leave. You know, it's not public or federal policy, but a lot of employers have done it, an increasing number. But mostly this is a benefit going to higher income workers. And right now only 12% of the lowest income workers have access to some kind of paid leave. So, Emily, what did the Biden administration announce yesterday? A lot of advocates have always talked about having paid leave. So, Nyla, for 30 years since the FMLA passed, paid leave has kind of been the holy grail here for advocates because while FMLA is great and unpaid leave is is good, people that don't make a lot of money can't really afford to take 12 weeks off unpaid. So you wind up with this situation where a civil rights policy essentially has had this very unequal impact. You know, yesterday at the White House, the administration announced their support for family and medical leave, but they didn't really announce a new paid leave policy or anything particularly groundbreaking. But isn't it up to Congress? Yeah, it is up to Congress. Just this Wednesday, Senator Gillibrand and Representative Rosa DeLauro, they unveiled a legislative package proposing federal paid leave program and some FMLA expansion so more people would have access to unpaid leave as well. They've introduced legislation like this in the past, though, and it hasn't obviously gone through. The New York Times reported that the U.S. is one of six countries in the world that doesn't have a national paid leave policy. 
Yeah. Isn't that crazy? We don't have anything. And it's pretty standard stuff. Just six countries in the world. You know, some people will say, oh, the United States is the only developed nation or the only rich nation. But it's really worth emphasizing it's one of the only nations, period. Paid leave is an economic policy. You know, I think some people see it as sort of this like individual thing. But if people don't have access to paid leave, they have to leave the workforce. They leave the workforce. They do not make money. And that is not good for the economy or for people. So one imagines that in the future, the U.S. would be on the other side of the balance sheet there. Axios' Emily Pack. Thanks, Emily. Thank you. One more winter headline before we go today. Yesterday was Groundhog Day, and Puxitani Phil's annual prediction is that we'll have six more weeks of winter, which this week has certainly turned out to be true. More than 11 million Americans woke up yesterday to ice warnings issued by the National Weather Service across the southern United States, with sleet, freezing rain and snow causing at least nine deaths. Officials urge caution from Texas to Tennessee as the roads start to thaw out. And even as that storm comes to an end, the Weather Service is warning about potentially record-breaking cold expected this weekend in New England and parts of the Midwest. The forecast is calling for wind chills to reach 10 below zero in New York City, 40 below in North Dakota, and as low as 60 below zero in northern Maine tomorrow morning. So if you're up north, please be careful. That's it for us this week. Axios Today is produced by Fonda Mwangi, Naomi Shaven, and Lydia McMullen-Laird. Our sound engineer is Alex Sugiyara. Alexandra Boti is our supervising producer, and thanks to Robin Lin for her help on today's episode. Sarah Kailani-Gu is Axios' editor-in-chief. Special thanks, as always, to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Stay safe, enjoy your weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. In the Bubble is a comforting and informative podcast from Lemonada Media. Every week, host Andy Slavitt is here to help you make sense of tough issues, from COVID to the student loan crisis to climate change and beyond. In the Bubble has new episodes out Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.